0: Welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. Uh, my name's hussein You can follow me at hpizvani on twitter.com. Uh, I'm yelling at people right now for not understanding the Matrix film. Uh, I feel like I'm 15 all over again. Uh, and just like, yeah, just kind of spending a lot of my nights being like, but my wife will be like, hey, maybe you should go to bed. And I'll be like, no, someone's wrong on the internet. um Feels like we're back there.
1: My name is Phoebe. You can follow me on Twitter at P-R-H-Roy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. No. I, don't, I have anything. I don't have anything to add to that. I can't believe you quoted a fucking XKCD panel. I know. I, I
0: did it. I didn't yes, actually say that. Did. I did it. I did no, it just yes, to annoy you. you. Did
1: I see you? I see you. I know. I know what goes <laughs> on. Um, yeah.
0: I would never I would never say that not because I wouldn't want to but because I'm afraid of being called I cringe am online. I'm not
1: going to tell you not to rail about the matrix on Twitter because your time is your own and also as we all know uh, your your time is also infinite you're going to live forever so this seems like a really really good use yeah. of uh, of your one life on this yeah. on this earth. Uh, yeah, it is.
0: <laughs> Um, speaking of which uh, we do have a uh, well yeah we have we yeah we have a guest today uh, and I'm very excited to I, I was hesitant because I was like well you know friend of ours also came on Trash Future a long time ago a very long time ago but, Um, very fond memories nonetheless we are joined by Eleanor Cressy who is a journalist and also a national Muay Thai champion Ayo. well done well done oh, congratulations casually,
2: not even just like not just any not yeah. just any belt I've got a WBC it's yeah. the, it's like the one that everyone wants, but it's it's only it's only for England. And, we you know, England kind of sucks. So
0: okay. I have a question. when you have that belt, like what are the do you just like wear that around the house? Like when you feel
2: <laughs> like I, I did. I've mainly had like people coming over to wanting to try it on <laughs> and, like a couple of people. Um, I teach like all women's classes and stuff now. And a couple of the girls would be like, oh, my God, you should have brought it in so we can all look at it. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. my God, is this like a is this is a thing. This is a thing. Yeah. It's heavy though. Yeah. It's heavy. I had to take it back to Wales for Christmas, Scott. I Got I got like a profile written about me in wow. Wales. I'm yeah, like, okay. Mate, it's just one step closer to being Welsh Sports Personality of the Year. Yeah. Gareth Bale is retired now, so I think there's an opening there's for a, me. There's an
0: open spot. There's okay. an opening.
2: There's definitely an opening. Come on, guys. I'm, I'm so full of personality. I'm so sporty. <laughs> I'm, I'm a shoe in. Like, in all honesty. You know, like, like, who, b- like
1: who else have we got? Like it's like, what, between you and Wayne
2: Hennessy? You've got this sewn up. <laughs> yeah, basically. I think, I I don't know who, I don't even know who won it this year. I don't think they did a thing for it. But I know the the BBC Sports Personality of the Year, like one of the nominees was a curler, like one of the British curling team. And I found it endlessly hilarious because every time I'm like really tired of Muay Thai, my friends are like, why don't you try curling? It's always curling. It's never anything yeah. else. No reason. They was like, why don't you try curling? And we I take, was like, oh, maybe I should.
0: We take curling quite seriously in Canada, in Toronto. Like, there were people who like were wearing sort of like college students who like were wearing their jerseys with like the University of Toronto curling team. It looks um, like a lot
2: of fun, honest. if I'm yeah. honest. Like,
0: it looks like so much fun. I think I'd be good at it. My, maybe I, I, I know. should do that instead. I can, I can sweep pretty well. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure there's more, more involved than that, but I can I'm, sweep pretty well. Yeah, good. I'm sure there is. But also, it's gotta be easier <laughs> than Muay Thai, right?
2: Right. <laughs> no offense to yeah. any curlers,
0: anyone, so, any in
2: the audience who is a curler. So,
0: because like you are a martial artist, a fighter, uh, we thought we'd give you like the full Joe Rogan hmm. experience. Uh, so I we feel like are, I need yeah. a joint for this. Though. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what do you think of modern medicine? Do you think we should replace it all? With oh elk? no! Uh, <laughs> when when was the last time you did DMT? Oh,
2: uh, God. <laughs> do you know what's funny is I don't listen to that podcast at all. The uh, my only like. My only experience with the Joe Rogan podcast is yeah. like little snippets that I've seen of people in the fighting world that he's had on. Uh, or like that one episode <coughs> where Miley Cyrus was on it because I love Miley Cyrus. And right. also because um, she's a it's really known fighter. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, Miley Cyrus, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, Miley Cyrus. She's been fighting her whole life. <laughs> <laughs> but they had um, they had this guy who's like a legend in Muay Thai on. They had Liam Harrison yeah. on. And... um. He's really great and it's really nice that he got, he got that platform on Joe Rogan's show. But then there's like other people I'm just mm. like, ah. it's just hard to be enthusiastic about it because he has this amazing platform and he knows like these fighters that I think should be getting that platform. But then there's all the other stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, my impression of like Joe Rogan's stuff was that he had like his main show, but people kind of mostly paid attention to. And that was where he would kind of, <clears throat> that's where sort of all the dangers have kind of been invited. And then you have, like, the MMA show, which, like, I think there are still dangers that are invited, but people pay less attention to that. Um, and it and it feels, from what I understand, like, some I know some people who only listen to the Joe Rogan MMA stuff, because it's like, that was the kind of things that, you know, introduced us to him. And, like, he's actually sort of at least knowledgeable on that stuff. And, you know, it's far more tolerable to listen to him, like, you know, uh, talk about fighters and fighting than, you know, vaccines and elk and all that type of things. But I I do I have like on the subreddit of a Joe Rogan subreddit that I sometimes kind of browse.
2: Oh, of course. Why? Why? For work. Why,
0: for why work for reasons. Work? Okay. For work reasons. Um, I, uh, you know, um, I work for a well-respected B two B magazine now. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, but I hear that like the crankery also exists in that corner of Joe Rogan too. So. Oh yeah.
2: I mean, in all like in any fitness, health, wellness space. Uh, Even the ones where you're punching each other in the face, this this sort of Uh. pipeline exists.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and speaking of which, like, uh, so I don't know. This is something that I feel like only someone like you could explain to me. (laughs) Oh no, Um, I've been like, (laughs) yeah, we brought you in here to explain about like fight Twitter. Is it because Um, I
2: I spend a lot of time with like dudes who are like this basically in real life, but none of these dudes post? So (laughs) yeah,
0: well, there's like something interesting in and of itself, I suppose. Like the thing that I've been very interested in for a while is like. Um, I don't know I've been in, I've been interested in kind of like men's wellness influences like when I was working at like a men's in, like men's magazine like it was something that was always kind of quite intriguing Um, like and how they would sort of come out as like initially fitness guys but seeing as um seeing time sort of go on and both like the lockdown kind of breaking their brains but also just like content expanding massively Um, you're now sort of like these guys are now retweeting really weird things and the thing that I'm very obsessed with is uh, the war on tap water, of course, um, which apparently is like like over the past few days has just been uh, exploding. And I've got like a few tweets. These are from like people who are in the sort of like men's fitness kind of. They do like you know jiu jitsu and stuff. These were the, I got them from these accounts. One of the tweets goes, "This is a, from a guy called Tenets Morpheus." Uh, I trust him already. I trust him already. Uh, Matrix Lie One. Tap water. Stop drinking it. It's garbage. I don't understand why it would be the first lie of the matrix, <laughs> <laughs> but you should drink tap water. The second one, uh, this is from a guy called Alpha Mind Trader. Um, he says, I have a question for at Luke Belmar. And Luke Belmar is like one of these sort of, you know, men's kind of crypto fitness influences. Um, I'm not too familiar with his content, but like...
2: Crypto fitness influences. Yeah. But as okay. in, and this
0: is another thing, like they're sort of combining stuff and that's why it's making it weirder. So this guy, Alpha Mind Trader goes... Um, Although I agree with 90% of what Luke Belmar says, he recently called, quote, gym a scam, tap water a scam, college a scam, but he watched the World Cup without any hesitation. (laughs) The Matrix got you there. Hat tip, fedora hat tip. He doesn't do the fedora hat tip. I'm imagining him doing it. What
2: do these all have to do with each other? I don't... Gyms are a bit of a scam sometimes, but for <coughs> different for different reasons. Yeah. other than the Matrix.
0: <laughs> I sort of. I've also been really fascinated with like this kind of renaissance of the Matrix being kind of a term that is being used. I imagine a lot of it is coming from like Andrew Tate using the Matrix kind of quite like he hasn't seen the film. He or if he. I was going to say he like doesn't really... know who wrote it. Like um, <laughs> yeah, well, when you ask a lot of these guys, like did you watch past the first one <laughs> where like it sort of explains in detail. Um, But I think just like Yeah the tap water stuff Really kind of got me And I sort of did A bit of exploration into it I'm not going to explain it on here Because I feel like If I did Then Phoebe would just Stop doing the show Uh,
2: (laughs) I just She's she's drinking She's she's drinking some tap water Right now She's been She's been bought out By the Matrix Well this is how This is how
1: Podcasting works They have The Matrix has to send A representative Um,
2: Yeah It's like the BBC (laughs) It's it's, it's got to be balanced
1: You've yeah. got to have the yeah. anti matrixes like, and the matrixes. Like yeah, remember that's right. r- like, remember when we were in those talks with Peter Thiel that like fell through for some like uh for some like sponsorship money? Um, remember and then like yeah. they fell through because like you wouldn't stop talking to him about cartoons. Remember those? Um
0: yeah, why well, I was saying that They're not all cartoons Some of them are actually yeah, For young I, yeah, adults Yeah, I think that was
1: That, oh that was the issue That's what that's what messed up Our, our field deal there um, So, since, uh, so sorry since, since then We're now sponsored <laughs> by The Matrix um, But they have to send someone in Just to yeah. make sure That everything is
0: uh, You know, continuing above board Yeah, there's like an agent yeah. In the background Just mm-hmm. like nodding yeah. his head uh, <laughs> To show that he agrees With what we're saying And if he we disagrees some with it is. He'll shake his head uh, Can, that, I, can yeah. I
2: ask for the tap water? Yeah, go on I just have a very key question here. Like, where do they stand on when it's boiled? Where does the matrix stand on that? Because you know they tell you to boil water to yeah. like. I I I'm not a scientist. I don't know how this how
0: this works. Yeah, I would
2: like to know where they stand on tea.
0: Um, basically. that's interesting. I'm gonna okay. So according it well, at least and this Twitter search, there are no results for matrix boiled tap water. Oh, okay. Um. Okay.
2: I would like to know. Like, you know, I drink a lot of tea, and I would like to know, like, whether I'm ruining myself, whether I'm, yeah. am I buying into the Matrix with all the tea I drink? Um, great question. <laughs> I mean, there's, not
0: like any, there's not anything direct, but there is one person that says, I might replace the 7am tea with Kawa.
2: What? What's that?
0: I don't know what that is. But I don't even think that's like a sort of like a Matrix thing. It's How just like, that? he likes the, he likes K A H W A
2: K A H W. Is this Logan Paul's new drink?
0: Um, oh god <laughs> oh god there was like someone in Lidl the other day who was like because it's being stocked in Aldi's and everything um so they were like desperately looking for the Logan Paul KSI drink um and it was so weird to seeing that like in real life oh man um yeah. but yeah so okay so the 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 um the decision on whether the Matrix approves of tea or not or or boiled water that is inconclusive um, however, they are saying don't drink tap water. And apparently it is because, uh, it contains, well, some people are like, I brought out the whole fluoride thing. There's also some that are saying there's too much estrogen in the water. Um, and then there's a oh, lot of- to- We wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't
2: want to be more like women now, would we? No.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to like go too much into like the specifics of tap water or why we should all be doing reverse osmosis. But I suppose the question I have is like, How you've sort of seen kind of fitness guys, MMA guys, like these kind of people who, I don't know, maybe like not that long ago would just sort of be fixated on like fighting and sports. And now they are kind of much more heavily involved in like this kind of bizarre form of posting, which is kind of somewhat political, but it's also very much about like dieting but like not in a dieting in a sort of like here's how you can be healthier here's how you can sort of like you know achieve your fitness goals it's more like all the diet stuff that i read from these guys are about like the affirmation of mass of a masculinity that they believe is gone and it seems to resonate quite a lot with like these mma fans and i wondered whether like you had more insight into that being partly of that world but probably just understanding it much more than either of us do
2: I mean, to be honest, I I think the the key thing to remember all this is that it it comes back down to um, something that I'm seeing a lot of people talking about lately is that generally in terms of like figures that they can look up to, like young men generally don't really have anyone except for these, you know, these Andrew Tate types, these Mm. Joe Rogan types. Um, And what's happening is it, it, it isn't so much that any of the people who are posting this kind of stuff are uh, uh, like the like the kingpins that is who are posting this stuff. Actually, I don't think they actually believe any of it. They just know that there is a gap in the market. and the way to exploit that gap is to be as almost as ridiculous as possible. like, um Andrew Tate talking about he's talking about the matrix in in reference to his or is it just his fans talking about he's,
0: it? Well, he's been talking about the matrix before the arrest, but right, his right, whole right. thing was just like, oh, the matrix is kind of when. And again, like I, I haven't, I don't want to go deep into it because I, I don't have that much free time. But like <laughs> of the things that I sort of saw when I was kind of doing a bit of research onto this, for him, like the matrix, he's kind of framed the matrix as like anything that is holding his sort of followers back. So the matrix can include like, um, well, uh, you know, in true Andrew Tate style, like women who date and go out and like you know have fun and stuff, or it can include like your boss at your nine to five, but that's very vague. And also people who don't want you to drive. And also there was one Matrix video where they were like, oh yeah, the Matrix doesn't want you to walk. So that's why it's put loads of escalators everywhere and elevators everywhere. This is insane. I and mean, it was just like, okay, well, you got to sort of decide what it is. It feels very, it feels like, yeah.
2: I mean, I feel like it's one step away. It's 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 another further step into like the sort of incel insult, insult <coughs> dog, basically. Um, And it's just they know that none of this is true. Like the people, the main people who are popular for posting this stuff, they know it's not true. They're just looking at their metrics and seeing, oh, okay, when I post this stuff, that actually does really well. And in the case of Tay, I, I mean, there's no way that he didn't know that he was, he was about to be, he was being investigated by the police. So it's just like kind of convenient for him that yeah. he can like, you know, be like, oh, maybe it's the Matrix. Yeah. You know, like that, because the thing is when I, the people that I train in, train with, train in? the people that I train with day in, day out, they don't talk about any of this stuff. Yeah. Like, all, all of this stuff that I see on, like, MMA Twitter tends to come from people who are very much observers of MMA rather than people who are actually, like, oh, engaging in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Because, like, I talk to, you know, occasionally this these talking points will come through. Like, unfortunately, like, anti-vaccine sentiment was quite high amongst... Um, Oh, in my experience amongst, uh, amongst a lot of fighters, you know, not all of us, I, you know, I got fully vaccinated um, and I think that was true across a lot of athletic spaces because these yeah. are people who rely on their bodies for their career <laughs> mm. and because of that, they're terrified of anything that yeah. will break it. Yeah. And even though we are day in day out doing stuff that is endangering our bodies like literally like <laughs> I'm do- I'm getting punched in the face. I I probably yeah. have like two brain cells left. <laughs> even though we're doing all that, um you know, they have one thing that they can hold on to that they're really afraid of and it's the unknown yeah. thing with like this vaccine and they don't know what it does oh. and and that's why that turned into like that turned into like anti-vaccine sentiment. But generally like a lot of them like don't want to be posting stuff like this. They don't they don't care enough. Yeah. Because they just they're just sort of like, I just wanna like train and do do, you know, and mm. fight and do my thing. Sure. Um, it tends to be like when I do see it, it tends to be like people who are either observers or they're retired. So they've got a lot of time on their hands. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, I don't know. It's just every every time I see this sort of thing and it's like MMA fight adjacent things. I, it does tend to be like mm. the observers right like not like full-time fighters yeah I mean yeah. I guess I, that's not to say the full-time fighters don't feel this way it's just maybe they don't have time to be posting that stuff you know <laughs> <laughs> I just I definitely don't have time
0: yeah Phoebe were you gonna say something no. or did I no, no, oh okay because no, 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 no. I was also gonna I was gonna ask you about just like precarity of like because we were sort of talking just before we got onto recording about not even fighters but just like people who work in fitness spaces and oh, how yeah. Like that whole sort of like economy has changed so much, especially over the lockdown um, where like you already had like quite an insecure industry anyway, where like, you know, if you're a personal trainer or if you're a fighter who does personal training, for example, um, you know, a lot of your kind of like time is going to be or like, you know, you're already sort of like in a very precarious economic situation um and you're a freelancer as well and then when the lockdown happens well like you know more of that that job becomes even more insecure and like my experience like with friends of mine who are pts who like work in sort of like the, who used to work in like sort of the big name gyms for them it's like well these big name gyms use the lockdown to kind of make their contracts mm. more insecure and so like if you're a freelance personal trainer and you're sort of navigating this very new market and you don't really know much about unions or unionization um you know the only thing that you're kind of seeing people doing is posting right yeah they're even like kind of investing a lot into sort of posting and but having like very mixed results but also you i've noticed like a number of pts who have started like not necessarily posting more fitness content but going more into the sort of like male wellness space and as the more they sort of go into it it may start with like you know, a kind of friendly interview with like a psychologist about you know how to sort of overcome your anxiety, but then it doesn't really take that long until like you're suddenly talking, you're suddenly interviewing someone who's just like, well, the problem is that the left keep trying to like destroy the family unit, and then you have Douglas Murray on, and like, all that. And, like I'm not even exaggerating. This is like <laughs> is, genuinely is like the a pipeline. F- this is genuinely a fitness influencer who I've kind of been sort of had my eyes on since like 2019 because I wanted to do a profile on him for like Mel magazine when like I was working there. And sort of seeing how his journey has sort of developed over the lockdown, it was and like how he's kind of accrued like this huge number of followers. I think he has a book deal, or at least he like said he had a book deal. Um, but he's accrued this like this massive following, but he's done so on the basis of like kind of going further down this rabbit hole. And I do think that part of that does come from just like just you know, I'm not sure whether he was ever in a precarious position, but I can understand why like lots of people who work in the fitness and wellness space. Would see that as kind of like not just a lucrative route, but sort of like the one of the only routes that you could go down to sort yeah, of sustain. I don't of. know.
2: I mean, so in terms of like as as a as a fighter, and you know, I'm a part time coach, part time, mm. very much part time coach because I can't afford the PT rent. um You know, for me, like posting is like part of the job, so I've got to like promote myself as a fighter. Um, You know, I've got to make these like little clips that like sometimes completely bomb on Instagram and this Mm. sort of stuff. And it's so annoying. And the problem with the Internet, and this was what we've known for like years and years and years Mm. now, is you kind of have to be extreme to get any attention. And like either that means, you know, you're the strongest, you're the fastest, you're the fittest, you know, you're knocking people out, blah, blah, blah. They, you know, all these people, not all of them can be like that. Not all of them can be posting that kind of stuff. So you do tend to like go down this other avenue. And then again, it also, it always comes back to it, particularly with men, it comes back to the fact that, like, in terms of men's mental health, like, you know, me- men are not okay Right. and they don't have anyone to talk to about yeah. it. Women that I know, I mean, this is, I mean, obviously this is very binary and like, you know, gender is a construct and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, a lot of cisgendered men don't know who to talk to, whereas a lot of cisgendered women are going to therapy, you know, talking through it. They have a lot of stuff that's like geared towards them of like you know here's how to talk about your feelings and stuff whereas a lot of a lot of cisgender men are finding well where where am i going and where are they going they're going to Joe Rogan they're going to like Andrew Tate and they fall further mm-hmm. and further down this rabbit hole and no one no one really notices until it's I'm, too I'm, late I'm, i that's, am that's not I
1: sure feel. I 100% agree with that to be honest with you i think it's like it's, de- like, it's definitely definitely true that uh That the completely useless um, idea of uh, sort of managing a particularly serious mental illness just by talking to someone, just by just by getting help. It's like, well, well, what help? And also, if you talk to somebody and then they can't help you, sort of then what? It's almost like a kind of it's almost like a kind of falsified avenue. And I think in a lot of in a lot of cases, trying to kind of unspool. With somebody who is like not actually able to help to, to, to help you do that can sometimes do more harm than than good. I don't think I don't I don't think just talk about it does any particular favors to women either. Um,
2: oh yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that's not no 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 I meant no, in no, general.
1: I understood what you meant. It's more that I actually don't think that. Uh, I think that it's probably the case with Joe Rogan. That uh, men are kind of seeking, like, kind of seeking out um, media which is kind of geared towards them and which sort of takes an interest in, sort of takes an interest in their thoughts and feelings. Um, I think that I think that's probably true, but that does not seem to be the case with with Andrew Tate, and I wouldn't, and I would, I would hesitate to put them in the same same category, even, um, particularly in part because mm. Andrew Tate is quite obviously. Backed by a lot of reactionary capital, so a lot of his material is being is being kind of pushed onto uh, pushed onto people's algorithms, particularly on, particularly on TikTok and particularly on YouTube. Um, but it's all, but it's also but it's also <coughs> the case that if you actually look at uh, Tate's shtick, he's a he's an MLM guy. He's not, he's not. There's an idea which has mushroomed up from somewhere that men looking for community and looking for purpose and looking for help with their mental health are being directed towards characters like Andrew Tate. But Andrew Tate is not even pretending to be interested in the mental health of men. He's, he's, he's not. Rogan does. Like in in scrupulous fairness to rogan he is interested in um in the kind of the crisis of contemporary masculinity and kind of where it can be reconstituted like he, uh, he may not be the smartest guy in the world but that is something which is gen- genuinely seems to be of interest to him but tate is uh is selling uh is selling a logic of endless abundance uh if only you kind of follow his, if only you kind of follow his edicts, and he constantly calls his followers like pussy losers, and the reason that they don't have the cars and the girls, etc., is because they're pussy losers. He has absolutely no interest in the elevation, the self-esteem, the uh, kind of the social, the social relationships of young men and he also talks quite quite openly about the fact that he that he uses that he uses uh the cam girls to work who work for him to steal money off lonely vulnerable young men so,
2: yeah sounds a lot like sex trafficking to me allegedly i mean <laughs> like, like allegedly is what it, allegedly is, what it is but he
1: but he's operating on exactly the same principles that some girl from school who uh, starts messaging, messaging you about herbalife or whatever, um, it's exactly the same logic. say, "I've got this stuff, and if you uh, and if you join my downline, you can have this stuff as well. And if you don't succeed at that, and, then, and that's where some of this kind of slightly more kind of mystical um, kind of universal manifestation stuff, which is, it's all connected, it's all kind of tied up in the same kind of outs of algorithmic structure um, but if he gets recommended in a kind of word of mouth thing it is not as far as i can tell in te- like in terms of a response to the crisis in in men and i think that there's um and i think there's a, i think it's a slightly strange idea that's kind of that's kind of wandered into the kind of common understanding of why why young men are are attracted to him as particularly since uh on like online now uh like violent misogyny has kind of been evacuated of it's like material content um it's and it's sort of just turned into kind of discursive talking points like a lot of people are attracted to Tate because they don't think that women are people that's
2: yeah I mean I'm not I'm not discounting that idea at all I just I do think I don't think that my point isn't that Andrew Tate is necessarily presenting himself as like Mm. a bastion of men's mental health it's more that once you start on one you do oh, eventually yeah. get yeah, yeah. to the ones who are like more violent and more and you'd fall down this rabbit hole, so to speak. And I, I think it's like one slice of the problem, like mm. for me anyway, that's just from what I'm from what I see. But it is like a lot of people. It is basically people who have been mm. raised online and they're just sort of, yeah, they don't know. They end. They end up down these sort yeah. of algorithm holes, and then suddenly it's like, "Wow, I'm right wing now." It's yeah, like, what? I
0: think, and we won't like sort of because, like, obviously, there's another thing we talk we'll talk about in this There's episode, a whole other thing. God, there is a damn. whole other thing, um, and also just like I feel like the whole Andrew Tate stuff, the things that are actually interesting are not really being talked about enough. And one of them is just like a bit about algorithms, and I think like the presumption that like oh you can easily just go from like joe rogan to andrew tate and like you know this is sort of a problem of the algorithm and it's like it's partly true but it's also like what tate and like i think the fundamental difference between tate and like or one of the differences between tate and rogan is that like tate like understands the internet really really well and he's very cynical about employing so even like Mm. his like hustlers university thing which like sounds like a joke and like is a fucking scam but like part of it is basically like getting people to pay him to like be social media stars and like part of their like curriculum is yeah,
2: a, MLM again. Is, is yeah.
0: literally an MLM in the sense for like part of his the part of like the deal of like signing up and like getting tips from being a hustler is like you know your first kind of curriculum and there's a guy called Coffeezilla on YouTube who's very who's like unpacked this really well um you know you have to post videos of Andrew Tate like, so he gets these people who pay yeah. him to do this course to then be like, okay, well, your first kind of job is to like, here is like a 20 minute video of me talking. You've got to find like the three best things and put it on your yeah. own YouTube channel. It, this is the and then you'll see you'll line. get this loads exactly and loads of I hits. This yeah.
1: is what yeah. I mean. It is an MLM. And I don't think we can just... Dis- and I, it's just like incredibly transparent. we can discount the... Yeah the very obvious reactionary funding behind it that is kind of not i'm not saying that people don't go kind of looking for men's mental health stuff and this is what they get pushed onto their feeds but if they're finding it but if they're finding it um if they're finding it persuasive i'm like my 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 point is not saying well fuck you know well fuck them because they're they're misogynist anyway that's not that's not what i mean at all
2: (laughs) actually that (laughs) is my point that's is my point <laughs> i was thinking just fuck them but <laughs> no, if I'm, kidding, fi- I'm if kidding. they're finding that
1: persuasive i think i don't necessarily think that that their uh, that their kind of that their loneliness and their atomization is what is then like driving their interest in like becoming part of tate's downline i think that becoming part of tate's downline is means that you find something seductive about the about the MLM about the mlm that he is pushing because yeah like 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 i said like i said it's very obvious like like rogan sort of treats his listeners in a kind of a in a kind of a oh so you know so 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 what's up so what's up man why don't why don't you uh why don't you talk about it like, yeah he's like, trying
2: to be their friend whereas andrew yeah, Tate is exactly. trying to be their like, boss why don't you like
1: why don't you try and sort of think of um sort of think of ways of like finding purpose and like i saw this i saw this one. Um kind of andrew Tate inspired influencer who it was really unfortunate because they said something that I actually thought nah, I'm not sure I entirely disagree with this, uh which is that endless talking and endless introspection is is actually not a great thing for your um it might be it might be a good thing to kind of work your way through your problems, but it 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 can't address um it can't address things like uh, like serious burnout it can't address things like uh, precaritization of of labor it can't um, it can't address more kind of ontological ontological longer-term anxieties it can't really address loneliness and it definitely can't address uh, serious and potentially kind of complex mental health problems and it is much better to provide people with as far as possible with community and with purpose and just talking is is sort of a kind of a sort of sort of sanctified sort of sanctified narcissism. I think there are some I i think I don't think it's I don't think that's exactly right. I think that the two things have to kind of go together to kind of to, to dovetail. Um, but at no point does um does Tate say uh oh you've been you know you it's it's like it's hard to be a man everyone treats you like shit. Um so here's like here's how you here's how you kind of take your sort of take your place um take the place sort of, you know here's how you kind of claim your claim your birthright that's not that's not his vibe at all his vibe is you don't have this car because you're a pussy loser who hasn't given me any money yeah which is which is very different also, I he did, I
0: just, this is my last thing yeah the last thing i want to say before we move on is that he did the funny like i i don't know because like obviously he's just like an awful awful person but well, like some of the content he's put out is just like, if he didn't suck so much, it would just be so funny. But he put out one which was just like, yeah, if you drink tap water, that's poor man's water. Rich man's water, oh you drink. God. It's like a specific brand of carbonated <laughs> water. And it's just like, and if you watch it, Devin, if I, if I find the video, I'll send it and we can like put it in. But the way he pronounces water oh, yeah. is so funny. Oh,
3: it's just days. like,
0: <clears throat> it's just, it's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. So yeah, Devin, if we find that, we'll put that in. He's I think it will be very fun. Just-
3: the only water I drink is sparkling water because sparkling water is for rich people. And I'll tell you why. You can get non-carbonated water, still water, from the fucking tap. The government gives you that shit effectively for free. Sparkling water you have to buy. So if you only drink sparkling water, you only drink rich man's water. I explained this to someone, some club, and of course he replied with the typical bullet, But I don't like sparkling... You don't like sparkling water? You don't like water? Yeah, but the bubbles... Bubbles? You scared of bubbles you little bitch?
2: You know my problem with this is that he says water like I do, right? He just sounds like he's got a strong west country accent but he's like trying to stop himself from doing glottal stops like he's like saying water and then every he's like water to like forcibly stop the, the glottal stop and it doesn't work I found a second one um, they put the Sigma male music in the background of this one as well
3: for your safety i strongly suggest you do the same get all your friends around call every friend you have right now invite them over for a party and they all turn up pour out sparkling water say everyone let's have a glass of water together water can't hurt anybody we're all probably dehydrated anyway what's the worst water can do let's have a nice glass of water and everyone's gonna drink it when well, you see that one dude oh there's bubbles never speak to him again
2: he's just he's just made it extreme hasn't he he's just take he just he knows how to take something to get attention yeah. from like every corner of the mm. internet, whether it's people who agree with him who are on his little Lululemon. Sorry, is, is Lululemon a MLM? No. It's not.
0: It? No, but you know, I mean, what, what is
2: what? Anyway, what
0: isn't? What whatever isn't leggings, LMM. <laughs> that's what we should uh, get him on. We should get him selling
1: leggings. I think oh, it's not an, an MLM? MLM, but it's like there's there is a scam-like element to it. But I can't. <laughs> you, you have, oh, it's, <laughs> okay. it's like it's so like a sub. It's like a subscription
2: thing, which is very hard to get out of for Blessix. I think. I think that's uh, what for is. is. Listen, <laughs> all I'm saying is, I think Andrew Tate should pivot to selling
0: leggings instead. Maybe he'll be really good at that. <laughs> yeah, mm. I think so. Yeah. Well, okay, let's not give him any any ideas right now. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about uh, why we why we why, why we asked you to come. Oh um, no. So. This month, we are going to do, or like over the next couple of months, we want to do like a few episodes about the comment section. Like, so it was like a thing that's sort of come up quite a lot, like in the kind of course that we've done this show. And like we sort of talked about a lot about like how the comment section sort of like relates to both sort of digital media and journalism, but also just like internet culture in and of itself and we thought that would be a really good idea to like sort of figure out okay where did the comment section come from and like so over like we'll, we'll do like a few episodes that sort of look at those points but Eleanor we asked you on because you've actually like worked in comment sections yeah um, and I've also done like a bit of work in like content moderation on like news websites and stuff so I imagine that we have like some similar experiences but you worked at like quite a big newspaper that like had you a you can say it a, you a, can say it the, the, the Guardian <laughs> <laughs> the guardian uh, you worked the guardian. at the guardian where and like i feel like the reason why this is interesting is because the guardian from what i understand about the guardian and how it used its comment section is actually like a bit different to how other newspapers sort of used theirs yeah or like how they kind of conceived of theirs but at the same time i think what's very interesting is like i don't know thinking about the comment section at a time when like as newspapers sort of became digital like the idea that the sort of commentary the debate and stuff were sort of pushed towards facebook and twitter partly because like these platforms wanted the debate to happen there and not in the comment sections but also in some cases where newspapers found it much more convenient to let their articles like let the sort of like really awful conversations that we associate with comment sections to sort of happen on those platforms so they don't really have to deal with them and so I guess like to start off with, I wanted to ask you just about your experience. Like what did you do in terms of like, what was your job in the comment sections and like how long were you in it for? And yeah, just like what what was your sort of experience working in that in that environment?
2: Yeah. So um, I start when <coughs> I started working at The Guardian, I was what was called, a, I think at the time it was called a social and community. Uh, no, I was a community coordinator. And then that changed to social and community editor. And basically what that meant at the time is. Um, we did a bit of stuff on like social media. So we'd like, I think for some reason we we'll, we ran Twitter but not Facebook so much like this sort of thing because Twitter was more like, and you know, unfortunately to its detriment more conversational than uh, all the other ones. And um, we also did a lot of work like picking out comments below the line that were interesting to readers or like, you know, where <laughs> readers would have like stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also, um, also like worked on the now, I don't think it's there anymore, but they, they had this thing called guardian witness, um, which was like a user generated, um, bit of the site where readers could like upload their photos and stories. So like when like a big news event happened, um, often, you know, Mm. you'd put up a guardian witness thing and then people could like drop their photos in from, Mm. from where they were. And then we would have to like verify them. And all that sort of stuff. So, like, if there were like floods and things like yeah. that, terror attacks were the other one, yeah, um, which, yeah, that was that was a fun time, and um, yeah. so, like the guardian when when I was there, I, I can't speak to what it's like now. I still see the call outs that they do, even though they don't have they don't seem to use Guardian witness anymore. Mm. Um, they still do those. Um, I don't know how much they do with the comments, but um that it was there was always this like slight tension internally, I would say between columnists who really really didn't want their the comments on they just didn't they didn't like them they didn't want to um or there were people who did really like the comments like um andrew sparrow's live blog has always had like regular commenters on it um and i know that he (coughs) used to engage with them quite a lot um below the line and on twitter and he was Mm. always really passionate about that yeah um but yeah then there were some people who were just like just turn off comments we don't want comments like you'd have like a couple of columnists be like i don't understand why i have to have comments on um Mm. yeah so it's very much the kind of place where they were like you know yeah yeah comments we want our readers to be part of our journalism blah 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 yeah um i would say as i would say it's kind of surface level from them like they like to think that it's you know that they're different from other places and this sort of stuff now i mean i don't think so i remember when um i was there when jeremy corbyn was getting elected And we had a guardian witness call out for um, people who are voting in the Labour leadership at the election. We told them so many times, listen, we've never seen a we've never seen a call out like this. There there are so many people writing in to say they want to vote for Jeremy Corbyn. They ignored us Mm. completely (laughs) until like the actual day that he was elected. And then it was like, oh, my God. What do you mean, Jeremy Corbyn's leader? We were like, mm-hmm. we've been telling you for weeks. Right? Do none of you listen to us again? So again, it's yeah. surface level. It's surface level. Um, but you know, I would say they do more to work with comments than other places. I think th- the only other place that I would say that I I've seen seems to do similar thing is I think the Times does, but I feel like that's a subscription thing. So I don't really
0: my understanding because I have a subscription. Not I don't pay for it. I steal it. I stole it from my old work. <laughs> I just want to clarify that yeah. I, I have a stolen subscription. Um, if the British think- police want to arrest me for that, <laughs> I'm willing to. Can you
2: give me the password? Because I cancelled mine after
0: some trans- <laughs> some
2: transphobia happened. So I was like, yeah, called them um,
0: up. <laughs> I mean, like, but from what I've seen, like, they have like columnists every so often who will sort of engage below the line. Um, but I feel I feel like that's kind of it. Like, yeah, which you know, again, is kind of a bit more than other places, but not quite the level that I sort of seen at the Guardian. Yeah.
2: And then I think the I think the other level you have is like no comments at all. And then you've got the wild, wild west (coughs) of Mail Online, which they are (laughs) moderated to a certain extent. Yeah, I feel like I I, I have no idea. I've never worked the mail. Don't know any moderators there. But like the mail's comments are always the ones that people like screenshot and and show like how gross they are and all this. Yeah um That's sort of the wild west of comment sections. Yeah. Um, I would say, but yeah, I think it's it's interesting because you do have this tension between newspapers who decide they want comments on and newspapers that decide they don't. Mm. Um, Guardian is, I think they've, I think they're still very much a comments on place. But I mean, being a moderator at the guy, I, I used to. So our team used to work with the moderators quite a lot because mm. you know if you wanted to do like a live chat or this sort of thing, you'd, you'd have the moderators on board. And like, man, like they work so hard and they get treated mm. like complete crap. Mm. Or at least they did when I was there. And like nobody, like the the newsroom does not take the people who deal with comments seriously mm. whatsoever in like any newsroom I've ever worked with, worked in. And even if those comments are like social media comments, are like Twitter and Facebook and stuff, it's like not seen as like, quote unquote, sure. real journalism. Right. So like. You know, when I was trying I really wanted to be a reporter and all this. And when I was trying to trying to move from, you know, looking finding stories on the internet to like getting to do actual reporting, I'd get told that I didn't have enough experience because um, you know, other than when I was in local news, my main source of reporting was like finding weird Mm -hmm. shit on the internet. Yeah. Um, but like even when it was like actual an actual story, it'd be like, No, but because you found that on the internet. You're gonna need to give right. this to a real reporter. Yeah, <laughs> so right. I'd have to have like a joint byline or an additional Jeez. reporting credit. And then when I was like trying to apply for jobs and stuff, they'd be like, "Yeah, you don't have enough experience," because like, w- what else are they gonna think? Like, when you've just got a bunch of joint bylines when yeah. you've been in a newsroom for like a good good while. Yeah, have
0: you ever considered starting a blog? <laughs> <laughs> that was a callback That's to. A that was a callback to the episode we recorded yesterday with Phoebe and uh, getting into copyright. Well, oh,
1: sorry, attempting to and being told to. Uh, and being told that the only way that you can despite the fact that at the time i had uh like quite a lot of published edited writing to kind of point them to but no <coughs> copywriting portfolio and this uh recruitment agent suggested that i start a start a blog about which products i like um and i was like wow. yeah no, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that that's a that's a that's a, that's a rubbish mm. idea <laughs> um <laughs> oh yeah. my
2: god very, oh, just, very
1: funny very honestly, very funny the stuff that they come out with um yeah something that i'm interested in uh, hearing more about in terms of kind of how you got how you got treated were you full staff or were you all on zero hours contracts
2: oh so i i think oh, i'm trying to remember so i know a couple of the moderators were on I'm trying to remember. So I was on a permanent contract because I can't remember why I got it. Permanent contracts, it turns Um. out really hard to come by at The Guardian. So what they tend to have there is they have, I know they have like a mix of zero hour contracts. The one, the the contracts that I find really mad, the freelancer contracts are insane because they are forced to take a break, like a month long break for, oh God, I think it's like every, it's like every six months or something like that so that they so that they legally don't have to give them like a proper contract or a proper job it's mm. insane so i don't know if that's, Love the, to see it. <laughs> if that's the same with a lot of the moderators it's so mad because you you you'll talk to you'll be like you'd be like talking to someone who like was freelancing on like the video desk and they're like yeah so like next week i'm uh, so i'm, I'm going to be off as next week and all my emails will be off and stuff like that and i'm like why and then I, oh yeah you have to for a yeah. month yeah so like and it, and it's because so they don't have to Give you a job, basically. It's it's really weird. Um, I know the Guardian does, um, or it did when I was there. It had a habit of uh putting people on zero hour contracts and then also (laughs) writing about zero hour contracts. Um, like uh, I don't know if listeners of your show are familiar with uh, Dawn Foster's work, but she Mm. she wrote about that. Um, God, I miss her. Yeah,
1: (laughs) so so do I. I I. (laughs) Friend
2: friend friend of the show, much missed. I know. Yeah, so, like, Dawn was Dawn was a moderator at The Guardian yeah. as well. That's how she started. Right. So, like, wow. she saw all of the shit. Um, and, yeah, just, like, the, the problem with The Guardian is, and I, I've said this on Twitter, I don't I'm like I don't care. You can come for me, Kath, not you, though, Adrian. <laughs> I love you, Adrian. <laughs> um, the problem with The Guardian is they will tell you that they're better mm, than everyone yeah. else, but they're not. Because they rely on people going to work, they're being like, wow, I'm at The Guardian. Wow, isn't this amazing? And they rely on that feeling to like mm-hmm. treat you like shit. And it's yeah. just, you know, I'm I'm sick I'm sick of it. I'm sick of you know, when I so when I was working when I was working there on like um looking on like community and stuff like that. Um so there were this was when there were a lot of terror attacks going on um in Europe. So we would be like the first port of call in terms of like the violent imagery that was coming from like these various mm. European cities of like dead bodies and like stuff like this, people being shot and all this, finding it on Twitter. There was one reporter, um, oh, you probably remember this, there was a reporter mm. who was killed live on television by yes, some yeah, like yeah. dude and it was live streamed on Facebook. Like yeah. me and my colleague like found that live stream Jesus. and, you know, showed it to Newsdesk sort of thing. Um, like we were watching that stuff and- with very, very little support, really. And I, I had one boss who was really great, but um, you know, she she left and then I just, you know, I just didn't really I didn't really know who to talk to and like also I didn't really didn't really twig what was going on with me that it was mm. having an effect on me until after I left. And I was like, Oh wow, okay. Yeah, you you were not very well. That's why you were going crazy. Mm. Um and it's just, it's just wild because you talk to people like when people look at my LinkedIn, I had someone look <laughs> at my look at my LinkedIn and they were like, oh my God, mm. this is insane. You've worked here, you worked here. And then I'm just like, yeah, but I had like five mental breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't very well. Yeah. And um, I remember tweeting about it. Like they did like a call out uh, for something, something to do u- with Ukraine. And I think I just was like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to subtweet. And I quote tweeted it being like, Tell us, are you are you offering your staffers any support for looking mm. through this stuff? Yeah, and I got like a, a DM from someone uh, uh, just confirming that they do not offer support. Yeah, they d- they don't really. They just kind of let you get on with it, and then don't really don't really check in and don't I like think, signpost yeah. that support internally.
0: This is the stuff that I find <clears throat> kind of like endlessly fascinating, especially like because I think you you had mentioned that you had sort of been doing like this job. Uh, around about like 2013-14. And I think that's around about the time when... Let me check my LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll fact check that in a second. For real, let me fact Uh, check it. (laughs) um, But like, I think that seems to sort of be around the time that like, people aren't necessarily taking like the internet. I mean, in newsrooms anyway. The idea that like, people sort of know that the internet is a thing, but they don't really know how serious to take it. Yeah, they had no idea. I had like my own sort of iteration of the whole Corbyn thing. Because when, after the 2015 election, when Ed Miliband lost... I was sort of sent out to kind of like, you know, look to see how the reaction was. And I got invited to a couple of events where I was sort of seeing, but like, oh, there's kind of a lot of support for these like certain kind of left-wing groups. And Jeremy Corbyn sort of seems to be there. And he's talking about like, you know, maybe running for it and everything. And I was, I told my editor at the time, but like, I think something is happening and like, it's going to be a lot bigger than just sort of like another Labour leader. Um, to which like, he was just very, very dismissive of that and just being like, oh, you know, um, and where are you getting this from? I say, well, you know, you can sort of see it in these meetings, but you can also see it online. There's like a lot of momentum building up. Um, and it's just like, and bear in mind, this is a BuzzFeed news, right? So it's kind of like the place where they want they go to, the pulse. they want to, they want to sort of like present themselves as sort of being like the news site that really the newsroom that gets the internet, but they don't. Um, and then I think like now where a lot, like most news stories I see certainly have like a digital culture element to it lots of reporters still kind of being like way out of their depth when like trying to cover and talk about it but at the same time no one's really sort of thinking about like well there sort of does need to be an infrastructure in place to like help people who are deciphering that and spending a lot more time deciphering and going through rabbit holes and like all these things that everyone sort of seems to acknowledge like you know, we seem to acknowledge that like radicalization is a thing and like online radicalization is certainly a thing. And it does, it doesn't just affect like, you know, lonely Muslims anymore. It's like very much like <laughs> a kind of global, like a phenomenon and like something that people should be paying attention to. And it just sort of seems that like, they don't, people are like, people in newsrooms are willing to like, accept that this is a reality, but they're not really willing to kind of like, think about how to facilitate that beyond it. And as a result, like you end up having you, as you mentioned, like, you know, moderators who are kind of like exposed to worse and worse shit like every year, but still don't have the support networks to do that. And, um, you know, a kind of precarious uh, employment system, which means that, like, even if there were sort of systems in place to kind of give people a minimal amount of therapy, um they aren't entitled to that because they're on freelance contracts which was like an experience that i like had when i was like freelancing at a newspaper and sort of doing a bit of a similar job to you um and yeah i kind of wondered whether you had any thoughts on just that sort of idea that you know uh, even though newsrooms and news organizations seem to sort of have a better understanding of what of how like internet culture sort of impacts the real world like why they haven't sort of reciprocated that by rethinking um like the way in which they kind of like conduct uh like online journalism and just like the people who work in it that sort of seems to be very dated
2: I think there's a few things I think it's it's not it's again I think it's a surface level understanding of the internet they understand that TikTok is a big thing they understand that people talk about stuff online but they don't really understand how to talk about that stuff that's why like Still to this day, like those kind of like tweet roundup articles, things, you still have those, even mm. though those are like surface level stuff. Hang on, I'm just gonna cough a second. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of all taking it from the from the surface. Um, they don't really understand what it is to be part of the internet. Still, even though we're talking about like, you know, people who are geriatric millennials now, like people who are online are like older in general. And yeah, it's still seen as like a young person thing. Like it's to the point that like, because I'm like still on TikTok, I Mm. I say still on TikTok, (laughs) I joined it during the pandemic, like every other geriatric millennial. But because I understand TikTok, Mm. I am, you know, I understand the memes and stuff like that. I have people like my brother is always like, why are you so down with the kids? And stuff (laughs) like that. And I'm just like, I'm not down with the kids. I'm just chronically online. Yeah. And it's it's become like, it's still a thing that it's like, if you're chronically online, you must be young. And that's right. just not true. No. Um, it's like, just not yeah. true anymore. And it hasn't been true for years. Yeah. Um, and I think that's still the core of it is that they want the benefits of writing about the writing and covering the internet, but without actually understanding it. Mm. So you're still in this position where you got like, I think the BBC is hiring like TikTok correspondents or, or correspondents for their TikTok. Right. When they had people, they had people internally already who were doing yeah. it off their own back. And then, who have like publicly said that they left because they felt they weren't being taken seriously enough mm. like this is this is what I mean when it's like they want they want it, but then they don't really want to understand it. And I think right. that's why you're not getting the support because they still you know, I'm sure I'm a hundred percent sure there are people at the Guardian who have you know who are still there who have seen me talk about the stuff I've talked about, like seen me like griping on Twitter and stuff like that, and I've probably said, well, I don't know what she's complaining about, you mm. know, she. Was never like out of the office. She was always in the office. Like she's just like hemming and hawing about nothing. And I'm sure there are people outside the Guardian who have said that as well. And that's the problem is that you have people in charge who just aren't willing to look at like the effects that half of this stuff has on you. They they just don't, they're just not willing to like engage with it. And then I think also it's the economics of news. You're constantly having to like churn out stuff to feed this beast that is hungrier and hungrier every day. Where do you have the time to be like? Well, hang on. Well being, (laughs) like where? Where can we? Where can we talk about this? Yeah. And they're not making any money out of it, so Mm. it's very bleak. Sorry. No, 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 no. You tell I just want to burn it all down. Honestly, like it's just so. It's so (laughs) frustrating to look at it as someone who, like, I was once one of those people who, really cared about the news. I really cared about creating a really great news product I would have been a fucking sick editor I would have been really great but because I was in this position where just felt like you couldn't win I just lost all my passion for it and I was like what's the point yeah what's the point like what's the point in caring about this industry that only really cares about the people who have gone to like xyz school you know Mm -hmm. and like it's of course they're not going to care about whether you've watched like too many videos of beheadings (laughs) like they barely care about like real people anyway they just care about like how they look to their journalist mates yeah
0: yeah and i think like all of that sort of ties back into um i guess like what the representative comment section is so like i think the idea of i think you mentioned this too like the idea of the comment section sort of being or at least kind of presented to be this like way of kind of doing collaboration between readers and subscribers and uh uh like the newsroom right and like this kind of idea that it was going to be an expanded collegiate almost and i like and i think you have it really on the money when kind of saying that like the guardian still wants to present itself in that way and like i from what i've seen of how they use comments um they often use it you know so they often will do call outs and then like kind of form articles and bits of content around that sometimes like You know, I was sort of told as a reporter that like, you know, comments are really important because like you can find sources that way. And I know a few people who have been able to do that. But I think like in recent years, um that sort of like optimism, like whatever was left of optimism of like, you know, being like reading below the line kind of has completely dissipated. And you sort of know that like, okay, well, if your job is to read below the line or if you're gonna venture down there, you probably aren't gonna like what you see um and you know in some cases it means that like some newsrooms have shut off their comment sections so like vice was kind of one I, there's a few others as well um and like uh there have been reports to suggest that like shutting down those comment sections haven't hasn't necessarily yielded the results that they wanted in terms of like minimizing harassment not least because i think that like facebook and twitter and social media has normalized this the idea that like you know you are if you If you can't abuse the writer in the comment section, then you should go email them to do that, or you should like go tweet them at them to do that and, right, like, and green ink yeah, and I, you know just like you know find whatever way you can to just like you know send send you know send, send some hate, and I kind of wondered what your thoughts were on just like where the comment section sort of like where that kind of goes uh, I suppose in terms of at uh, at do you kind of feel like just this system of trying to connect, connect with readers, but readers who are, or like just kind of like a general population who are, you know, their way of like communicating and reacting to news is very much mediated by social platforms and by like the react, like the encouragement of reactivity. I wonder whether like the idea of the comment section is sort of going to be redundant soon, like not least because if you're not having productive conversations there because of the productive conversations on news that they're happening elsewhere then like what is the point of a comment section even at somewhere like the guardian or is the comment section like too essential just as kind of like a way of projecting that oh you know we connect to our readers and we care about them and i guess again especially like like a place like the guardian that is so dependent on like voluntary donations um which is sort of why it's sort of been so hesitant to put up a paywall and stuff i wonder whether like the death of the comment section kind of will mean like the end of at least projecting that kind of fantasy
2: yeah, I mean I'm so I'm I, I don't know where I stand personally on whether to keep them open or closed anymore. I used to be very much like, yeah, comments are really important. It's really important to give readers their say, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. But I think you're right. I think ultimately I don't I don't know how much longer the traditional newspaper comment section can survive uh when you've got like things on Twitter and things on Facebook and all this sort of stuff. Um I genuinely don't know where it's going to go next because I, I feel like it's, become, it's going to become not not from like any sort of ethical perspective, but from a cost perspective, I think it's going to turn into we're closing down comment sections because we don't want to pay moderators anymore or like, you know, it's more expensive to run than it is to just not have them. I could see that being the future because like and everyone's come to the same conclusion where it's like, don't, don't read the comments. You shouldn't read the comments. Mm. So, like, when everyone's coming to that conclusion, <clears throat> yeah, what's the point of keeping that space open? Right. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know if the Guardian will anytime soon, just because it is so, it's so intertwined with their membership thing. Yeah. Um, you know, they need to be seen to be engaging with their readers, and I mean, yeah. you know, they still have a community team, so they're still trying to do it. Yeah. But like, you know, I don't know. It's it's like how newspapers still have letter
0: sections,
2: you know. Yeah. Like, even though, who writes a letter anymore, oh, I you mean, know?
0: <laughs> part, of my, part of my kind of comment editor job was also to go through the letters to the editor. And like, yeah, you get some real characters. Yep. <laughs> you get some real characters in yep. those.
2: That's where the green ink thing comes from. Like, so w- when I was, uh, you know, training to be a journalist at Cardiff University, the guy who like run it, um, like a legend in like local news. And he talked about like getting letters in green ink. And he was like, when you had a letter in green ink, it was just gonna be a bit weird. Right, <laughs> it okay. was gonna be a weirdo. Okay, and yeah, so that became like the shorthand for like you know green, green ink letter. Interesting. Okay, I didn't But know now that. it's like you don't really have that anymore because you don't get people like writing green ink. They're gonna like yeah. send you a death threat on Twitter instead.
0: Yeah, that is what I say. Like you know, the death of cursive. Uh, <laughs> the death of cursive. <laughs> the death of cursive has you has has wreaked uh, uh, results that um I feel like many of us will le- will live to regret. See,
1: that's the re- um, that's the real return. We want to go back to the green ink like. Death threats on yeah. Twitter. Please just
2: send me a green send me a letter in green air. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll read it. Maybe I'll see the green and I'll be like, I'm gonna burn that. I, I reject, think
1: it's nice to
0: receive a letter. I feel modernity. like yeah.
1: And also like if they've managed to find you in order to send a letter to you, A, you probably
0: should be scared, but
1: but B, that's a certain amount of certain amount of dedication there, which I think should be rewarded.
0: Yeah, that's the, that's the <laughs> problem, is too. It's like people like don't put enough like the the internet has made it too easy to find people. <laughs> I genuinely um, think that. No, I
1: genuinely think that
2: though.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: kind of like someone said that to me, and I was like, "No, it was Phoebe. Phoebe said that
2: to me." <laughs> someone said it. Oh, it
0: was you. <laughs> <laughs> He's just um, stealing your words. <laughs> um, I'm conscious that unfortunately we are out of time uh, because we do have. We uh, have you've, you've, all got like stuff to do. Unfortunately. Um, and I and like I, again, we are going to do like a lot more episodes on the comment section, uh, a lot more stuff just like to do with the history and like the different forms of comment section. So do keep in tune for that. They'll be both on the free feed and the bonus feed. But until then, Eleanor, thank you for joining us. If people want to like follow your stuff, uh, how can they do that? Do you want them to? Like, oh, so that's like probably the big question.
2: Do you like tweets about depression? You can follow me <laughs> at Eleanor Cressy. I'm at Eleanor Cressy on every platform except for TikTok where... Someone has already taken that name <gasps> so I'm, Alana can fight on there. I know. Find, find them and send find them, them and a fight mad them. letter. <laughs> <laughs> some Italian girls some Italian girls going to be like eh? <laughs> what is this?
0: <laughs> yeah, tell them to meet you at the Cenotaph for, for a fight. I'll like, let's, uh,
2: let's fight for
0: this username. Fight, fight, for, fight for the app.
2: Yeah, but I'm, um, Alana can fight on TikTok uh, where you won't find much to be honest except for me. Um, I don't know if you've seen the the meme of the dogs that are really long yeah god i feel like if i have to explain tiktok (laughs) memes i feel like i feel like it it gets to the point where it's like yeah did you see the one you
0: know where it's a baby and it
2: had a green hat
0: and it was doing this (laughs) i decided that 2023 is the year that i learn less about stuff so
2: you know (laughs) as speaking as someone who has been learning entirely too much about tiktok i I think that that's healthy (laughs) it's
0: the year of learning less uh (laughs) Uh, you can follow us at 10K PostPod if you don't already. Uh, this show is produced by Devon. You can follow them at Devon underscore on Earth. Also listen to Kill James Bond, their podcast, if you don't do that already. Phoebe, do you want to do your plugs before we uh, before we jump out? Yeah,
1: sure. Uh, subscribe to my Substack. You can do that now. That's something which is available to you. That is uh, Phoeberoy.substack.com. It is called From the Twisted Mind of Phoebe, which is a joke that I allowed to get too far and so now that's just what it's called uh regret to inform you you can also listen to me and minor <laughs> Ebers' seinfeld podcast which is masters of our domain which you can find on twitter at masters of pod where we post the epos the epos the, 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 epos. the epos okay i'm
0: all right we're keeping that in i'm sorry i am, <laughs> I am
1: so apologetic for that that just <laughs> happen. um i'm gonna start saying it now unfortunately i can feel that i can feel that happening to yeah me. You're, an,
0: you're you're not an epo baby you're an epo baby, I am an, an epo
1: I, am baby. An, I am an epo baby um yeah i was gonna say episode but something happened to the middle of the word um okay yeah, so just yeah
0: like something something just took took control of so you so that's where it. we
1: po- that's where we post the epos
0: Okay. Yeah. check those out check the appos check out, out. Um, and until next time we'll catch you later have a good one bye bye All right. bye, bye.